Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 47, but a recap of episode 37. Okay, so I'm going to do the readings of the um, third. um, Hold on, let me double check here. It is actually the uh, Saturday of the third week of ordinary time, the last, the last day of uh, the third week of ordinary time, because of the fact I didn't get um, posted on all the podcast channels. So I'm going to do the reading for that. Um, I know it sounds confusing, but uh, I was really disappointed because I put music on it and it didn't get posted all over the place. So. I'm going to do the readings um, and uh, do commentary on it. It might be different, slightly different than what I said in these those episodes, but hey, uh, I'm sure it'll be close enough. But I just wanted to share it with you guys because I know um, when you look at the numbers, you'll see that there's something missing. So this is a recap of episode 37. So let's begin with the act of contrition. Oh, one more thing. Please subscribe and share. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion. Christe Elysion, Christe Elysion, Christe Elysion. Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us, for you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so we're going to do this again, and um, because I really felt bad how these uh, Anchor Spotify broke it up, broke up these things. So who knows? Maybe they might post it in the future. I don't know. But let's do this reading. It's Hebrews chapter eleven. All right. He was looking forward to the city whose architect and maker is God. Okay. Faith is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Because of it, the ancients were were well attested. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out, not knowing where he was to go. By faith, he sojourned in the promised land, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city 
with foundations whose architect and maker is God. By faith he received power to generate even though he was past the normal age, and Sarah herself was sterile. For he thought that the one who had made the promise was trustworthy. So it was that there came forth from one man, himself as good as dead, descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sands on the seashore. All these died in faith. They did not receive what had been promised, but saw it and greeted it from afar, and acknowledged themselves to be strangers and aliens on earth. For those who seek thus show that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had come, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desired a better homeland, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith Abraham, when put to the test, offered Isaac, and he who had received the promise was ready, was ready to offer his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac descendants shall, you, uh, shall bear your name. He reasoned that God was able to raise even from the dead, and he received Isaac back as a symbol. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. Faith is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Because of it, the ancients were well attested. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was to go. By, for, by faith he sojourned in the promised land as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and maker is God. By faith he received power to generate even though he was past the normal age. And Sarah herself was sterile, for he thought that the one who had made the promise was trustworthy. So it was that there, were, that there came forth from one man himself as good as dead, descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. All these died in faith. They did not receive what had been promised, but saw it and greeted it from afar and acknowledged themselves to be strangers and aliens on earth. For those who speak and thus show that they are seeking a homeland, if they had been thinking of the land from which they had come, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better homeland, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was ready to offer his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac descendants shall bear your name. He reasoned that God was able to, ra to raise even from the dead, and he received Isaac back as a symbol. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so 
This is a recap of episode 37. I messed up with uh, the editing. All right. So um, I kind of got the editing all wrong. So let's just uh, start over again. And it may not sound the same or um, remember, I don't write things down, but I'm hopefully I'll get I'll get it close to what I said in episode 37. Faith is the realization of what is hoped for, of evidence things not seen. Because of it, the ancients were well attested. Everything we know, if when we read, when we are familiar with Scripture, and that's one thing about the letters to the Hebrews, is that it demands that we have a knowledge of the Old Testament. And having a knowledge of the Old Testament is a very beautiful thing because the Jewish people were well aware of what their ancestors had been through. They had a, they have a long legacy of faith. The this letter was written to the Hebrew church, to the Hebrew Christian church. And at this time, they were going through a persecution because of what was happening in Rome uh, under Nero. Uh, the Roman fires began, and this was probably written because as soon as they heard the the temple heard about the Christians being persecuted, uh, Paul, who got who was pretty much never had his case heard under Nero returned to a very different Nero. Uh, Peter was already in the Roman church ministering. There was already Christians in Rome. There were already Christians in Rome. There were already Christians there long before Peter and Rome, um, Peter and Paul, excuse me, long before that, due to the fact that they were <clears throat> Christians traveling as merchants. And a lot of many places, if you read the book of Acts, the Christian faith reached there long before uh, Paul ever came to a particular place. It was there in some form. It wasn't there perfectly. They didn't have the gospel, the full knowledge of the gospel, but the the message was carried out by uh, merchants who left families, who left uh, Jerusalem, uh, brought there by Hellenistic uh, Christians, Hellenistic Jews. They brought the faith. But in this particular case, we're talking about the heat, the church in Jerusalem. And they started feeling a great, the great brunt of the persecution. James, the cousin of the Lord, also known as the brother of the Lord, was already dead. He was killed by the temple, the high priest, the successor to Annas and Caiaphas. Um, and... The temple has kicked them out. Now, uh, how much... Uh, some people question if the letter to the Hebrews is really Paul's letter. I'm going to say that it is. It was probably dictated by Paul to someone. And um, this person, obviously, I, I believe it's Paul 
and I believe that it's, it's uh, dictated by Paul. It may not be written by him directly, but it, it certainly has his mark in many cases. His theology, his understanding of the knowledge of the, of the Old Testament, it's, it's unbelievably um, a, a beautiful uh, theology and typology. Meaning, you know, he, he knows how to put the picture together, the, the composition between the old and new. Um, the faith of the, of the, um, of the ancients of Abraham, even before Abraham, Noah, uh, before the flood to understand about the faith, putting their faith in something that they could not see yet or touch yet, but they knew they had to, or even comprehend or understand was very important. You putting your faith in God and it's not beyond reason. You know, the world you're living in is cruel and oppressive and difficult. And, you know, you're, you, you know, you're, you're constantly struggling from day to day. In many cases you're persecuted. In many cases you're, you're attacked by different thoughts and different trials and, you know, you're fighting against not just um, a reality that is very oppressive, but you're you you're living in a reality. Some of the Romans and some uh, the Romans thought the Christians were unrealistic because they thought the Christian faith went against reason, but it isn't. Faith and reason is not opposed to each other. In many many cases, the Christian is well aware of the reality they're living in well aware of the struggle they're going through, well aware of the opposition that we're, that we're facing from day to day, well aware of the fact that we, <clears throat> the world hates us and the world will turn against us, well aware of the fact that we're not accepted, well aware of the fact that, you know, you know we're, we're fighting against a world that wants to deny God and wants us to bend the knee to different uh, to idolatry and even to a government that wants to make itself God. Well, we're, well, we're aware of it. Um, and the ancients, we learn from them everything that they had to go through. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was to go. And that's true. Abraham himself um, didn't didn't really um, he didn't know what to expect. He had an encounter with God. God entered into reality. He came into Abraham's life, spoke to Abraham. Something something changed. It changed Abraham's life. It changed Abraham how he saw the world. And Abraham had to leave everything that was familiar, that he was acquainted with, even though in most cases, Abraham was probably dissatisfied. It had, it had to, in order to make Abraham pack up and leave, he was dissatisfied with the life he had. He had to abandon the city. The, the, even though it was comfortable, 
You know, a lot of times we live in a world we're very comfortable with, we're very acquainted with, but at the same time, we know it's against us. We know it constantly is oppressive. I mean, isn't that it? Isn't that basically the symbolism of oppression? You're used to it. You're acquainted with it. You become, a, you become comfortable with it, even though you know it's not good for you. You know, it's, you know it's, it's, it doesn't care about you. Yet at the same time, the one, big, the one biggest thing about the world, it hates the fact that you do not accept it. It hates the fact that you oppose it. You oppose the, 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 the establishment of it. It wants you to stop believing the way you're believing and accept the system that everybody else has, has accepted. Everybody else has become dependent on it. And that's the thing is that when you're a Christian, you're going against the, the system. Christianity comes in and it tells a person the faith in one God that you are more than this, that you're not made for this. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to bend the knee to it. Abraham got up and he decided, I'm going to leave this. I'm going to go where this God wants me to go. What sign did God give him? He doesn't tell us. How did he know head west? He didn't, I, we doesn't, it doesn't tell us. But Abraham trusted. And Abraham, something told him, go west. Maybe it was in a dream. Maybe an angel spoke to him. Maybe a sign was given to him. He went to Cana. He took with him his family. So he went to a land that he was not familiar with. He went to a place that he was to receive his inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was to go. By, by faith, he sojourned to a promised land as a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac, Jacob, heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and maker is God. We can say one thing when he got to Cana. It wasn't a picnic. It was not paradise. It wasn't utopia. Right? It didn't... It wasn't... Uh, there was no ticker day parade for him. People didn't roll out the red carpet to him. He came to a place... Even... It wasn't as populated. It was more... There was more space. There wasn't, it, there was no great cities. I mean, there were smaller cities, smaller towns. I mean, many cases, um, Sodom and Gomorrah was definitely uh, smaller. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a picnic. But it was, it was the beginning of his relationship with God. It was the beginning of a trust. All right. And, and, and even though he was, who knows what, what conversation, I mean, there's not every, and not every conversation he had with God was written down, but definitely 
he needed to trust him. Abraham needed to see past the reality, uh, the, the limitations of this reality. And he had to look with the eyes of faith beyond it. It was a struggle and he had to. You know, his relationship with Sarah, I don't think it was perfect because obviously, you know, they didn't have children. His relationship with Lot, there was strife. Lot, Lot decided to go, live, go back to the cities. He went to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. Then Abraham had to rescue him uh, when, him, when, when Lot and his family were taken prisoner. Lot chose the city. Lot chose to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham had to, even in many cases, he, he, you can say he hid behind his, his wife's skirts because he, he wanted everybody to say that, they're, that he was her brother and not say that they were husband and wife because he feared that they would kill him so he 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 had to he had to go he had to trust in God and go past fear and death and he had to trust God and then you know of course there was that unfortunate relationship uh that led to the birth of uh Ishmael and then he had to give up if Ishmael and then followed by finally uh, giving, uh, sacrificing his son Isaac, trusting that God is the, the, um, the Lord, the God of life and death, that God had control, that God is not just um, a God of riches, that he had to trust God, put his complete trust that God would would give him back his son, that God promised him that he would have. The inherit that he would be the father of many nations, of many people, many families. And you know, it just you know, it's it's um, it's something we have to look. You know, we have to really understand it. By faith, he received power to generate, even though he was past a normal age, and Sarah herself was past. She was sterile. She was barren. For he thought that oh, the one who made the promise was trustworthy. And it's interesting, you know, that he had, he fathered Isaac late in life. And there was a lot he had to learn about this God. And he, he also had to be patient. That's another thing that we, we often are, um, that I think that leads to a lot of people to sort of like, make mistakes is the impatience trusting God that he would act that he would do things according to his time not our timetable his timetable and then so it was that there came forth from one man himself who was good as dead that's another thing you can say about the letter of the Hebrews there's a slight little bit of a um I guess you can say sense of humor here. Descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Abraham, what did God say? Through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And this is, these are people of faith. Not the people that come out of his body, but the people of faith. Because we know how the Israelites sometimes lacked the faith, but we had to trust him 
that we have, we have to trust God that he will fulfill his promises. All these died in faith. They did not receive what had been promised, but saw it and greeted it from afar and acknowledged themselves to be strangers and aliens on earth. For those who speak thus show that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had come, they would have had the opportunity to return. That's, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. You know the part in the Gospel of John where Jesus says to the to his um, opponents, the Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes, your father Abraham rejoiced the day he saw my coming. There's nothing in the book of Genesis that says that. But yet what Jesus was talking about was something that happened off the stage of Scripture. In other words, it was an event that was never written down that only he would know as God. And Abraham, Abraham understood and saw something. He, he saw this revelation. You know, faith is something that is very powerful and mysterious and scary and just more stranger than we can comprehend. It's something that that goes beyond um, what we normally call, you know, what we, we what we think religion is. Faith is something more mystical, more beautiful, and it all and, and it's all an encounter with a God that is just beyond comprehension. You know, the saints understood that, and we, unfortunately, nothing does them justice. Nothing, nothing does them justice. You know, we, we sometimes, I think we, we treat them too common that we sometimes don't really dive in what, you know, what makes Abraham who he is, what makes Moses who he is, what did they see? You know, the stories we, we, we know, we, we are, we very familiar with them that sometimes we, we also still detach ourselves from them. It's far more mysterious, far more beautiful than we can comprehend. You know, some have called it an adventure of faith, an adventure in God. Some have sometimes also, unfortunately, we've had so many philosophers and people like Freud that they've dissected it, taken out the beauty of it, destroyed it. You, you know, with their, with their so-called reasoning and everything else that they, because maybe they're too frightened and, you know, they're too frightened and also they're too stupid to, 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 to really appreciate it. They just, they just, their atheism has blinded them from the beauty of it, from the truth of it and going on. Um, those who speak thus show they are seeking a homeland. Okay, all, the, all these died in faith. They did not receive what had been promised, but saw it and greeted it from afar and acknowledged themselves to be strangers and aliens on earth. For those who speak thus show that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had come from, they would have opportunity to return. Yeah, I, I, didn't, point, I didn't point to that out. They could have left. Abraham could have gone back to where he was come from. I mean, Lot did. 
Lot didn't go back home to Mesopotamia, but he went and lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, I, um, Jacob didn't have to go back home to his land. He could have stayed in Mesopotamia with his uncle Leban. Made a, you know, made a, made himself famous there. He could have chosen that. He could have chosen at any time. Isaac could have decided to go to Mesopotamia, um, abandon even after his father Abraham died. Uh, Abraham got Rebecca from Mesopotamia. She could have gone back home instead of living that life. Something changed them. Something changed the way they saw the world. Something, and that something was God. It was, it was an encounter with God. It wasn't perfect. Isaac's home life wasn't perfect for Rebecca. They, they, they practiced favoritism with their sons. She favored Jacob. He favored Esau. Um, that did some damage to their kids. Esau, you know, Esau wasn't a perfect man. You know, he didn't have that relationship with God. But, but one thing we know, when Esau saw his brother Jacob after, after many years, he threw himself on Jacob's neck and kissed him. He didn't have, he wasn't a deep man of faith, but he did, but he did love his brother and Jacob didn't have to come home, but he did. He did. And, and, and he encountered God in many, uh, in his life, uh, twice. Remember he wrestled with him during the night. Faith is also wrestling with God. Faith is not, it's no one said it was going to be a picnic. And God certainly didn't make it a picnic. And we know what happened with his son, Joseph. You know, the brothers turned against him and, and tried to kill him. They, they wanted, they, the intention was to murder him. Instead, they sold their brother off. Joseph was a symbol of Christ and their actions was a betrayal that would happen thousands of years later with Jesus. And of course, you know, um, but now they desire a home, a better homeland, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. You know, it's true. Um, there's that line in the film, the song of Bernadette where the blessed mother says, I cannot promise you happiness in this world, but I can promise you happiness in the next. That's an important thing we have to remember. You know, so our happiness and our joy is never going to be in this life, but the, but the life to come by faith, Abraham was put to the test, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promise was ready to offer his only son of whom it was said through Isaac descendants shall bear, shall hear your name. He reasoned with God that he reasoned that God was able to raise even from the dead. And he received Isaac back as a symbol. It doesn't give you too much the state of mind that Abraham was in when God made, when God told him to sacrifice his only son. What did Abraham what was Abraham thinking? What was, what was it Abraham that made a, that, that God decided to meet him at that moment? 
Why? It's because he wanted to see how much he wanted Abraham. I mean, God already knew what he was going to do, but God wanted faith is something one has to experience and live through. Talking about it is never going to justify it. And Abraham decided to go ahead and do it. But also, I, I, I do agree, Isaac wasn't a little boy. He was probably 30 years old. But he, he didn't struggle. He decided to trust God. And Abraham did. He trusted God. And he had to come to the conclusion, really, one child. Why didn't he have Sarah have more children? Why? I mean, think about it. He could have, things could have worked out. Hagar could have remained, could have remained there. God could have decided to bless him with having more children with Hagar. Or he could have had Sarah have more children. But for some reason, he stopped right there with just Isaac. And he, and he knows himself events could, could have, could have been tragic. Isaac could have died as a kid. He could have gotten sick. He, um, Isaac could have been kidnapped. He could have uh, been attacked by a wild animal. Uh, an army could have come by and destroyed everything and murdered his family. All kinds of events. One child is quite a risk. People sometimes have more than one child. You know, Things could have been different. Hagar could have had more children, given birth to more babies for Abraham. But it was one child, and she had she had one son, and that son wasn't the one that was going to be picked by God. It was going to be Isaac. So we have to really think about it. You know, what state of life, what kind of state of mind he was in. He was probably thinking about the pagans and their sacrifices. He might have even seen it. And he wondered, this God could have been a God who decided he wanted human sacrifice. And then suddenly, a big question. You could say it was popped. You know, take your son, your only son Isaac, and go to a place that I will show you and offer him up to me as a burnt offering doesn't say Abraham screamed and yelled at him. doesn't say Abraham was horrified. No, it doesn't say any of that. And, and people would, would say, well, it was probably the editors. Really? Does, does, he look, does, he, does this man look like a winner in, this, in the pages of the, of, the, of the Old Testament? Even Job, Job himself, Job had... Hundreds of cattle, hundreds of camel, hundreds of oxen, hundreds of sheep. He had slaves. He had lots of land. He, he's presented far more richer than Abraham was. And what was in his mind? What did God, why did God chose to do it now at this time in his old age? Something made him realize and question the reality, the question, the question, the way men live, that God, this God doesn't think like human beings. He doesn't care about the prideful nature 
of things. He wants this God is powerful and yes. He can he can he can do anything he wants, but this is the way he chose it. All right. Let's go on to um the, the Psalms, the responsorial psalm. It's actually going to be from Luke chapter 1, verse 69. It's the Benedictus of Zechariah. All right, so the responsorial psalm is, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has come to his people. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, he has come to his people. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, he has come to his people. It's from Luke, the Benedictus of Zechariah, chapter 1, verse 69 to 70, to 71, 72, 73, to 75. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people. Through his holy prophets, he promised of all that he would save us from our sins, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham to set us free from the bonds of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. Okay, and ends there. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people. Okay, so this, um, the Benedictus, like I said, you have to have a knowledge of the Old Testament. The letter to the Hebrews and this here, what Luke wrote in the gospel of Zechariah giving this blessing, this, this prayer. And even Mary's Magnificat points back to the Old Testament. Having a knowledge of the Old Testament is a great help. You don't, it, you don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be, be a great Bible teacher. You don't have to have a master's or, or something. Anybody. The Bible was written for everyone. The Bible is God speaking to his people, to everyone. Remember what Jesus said, I, I thank you and I bless you, Father, for revealing this, not to the wise and learned, but to the simple. Ordinary people, ordinary people, everyday people, the, the scriptures was written to them. Scholars just have to find something to make a, to make a living off of. And, you know, and the best scholar is the one who, who shares his knowledge for free. But we live in a time of, uh, of commercialism and some of them will, 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 will be desperate to stand out. They'll even, they'll even, um, <laughs> exploit, uh, the scriptures to their advantage to write books. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to spend too much time because we know this already, but my my only wish for you is pick up the book like the, like the angel said to saint augustine and read if you want to know pick up the book and read pick it up and read that's all all right let's go on to um the gospel okay 
the uh, response, the Alleluia response is from John chapter 3, verse 16. Alleluia, Alleluia. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. Alleluia, Alleluia. And the reading here is from St. Mark's Gospel, the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. Who then is this whom even wind and sea obey him? All right, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. On that day, as evening drew on, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us cross to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with, them, were with him. A violent uh, squall came up, and waves were breaking over the boat, so that it was already filling up. Jesus was in the stern, asleep, on a cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care they were, that we are perishing? He woke up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Quiet, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? They were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this whom even wind and sea obey? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Let's read it one more time. The Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. On that day, as the evening drew on, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us cross to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with, with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. A violent squall came up, and, wave, and, and waves were breaking over the boat, so that it was already filling up. Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're, we are perishing? He woke up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Quiet, be still. The wind ceased, and there was great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? They were filled with great awe and said to one another, who then is this whom even the wind and sea obey? The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So, who then is this whom even the wind and sea obey? I love that line. On that day, as evening drew on, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go across to the other side. The boat once more, is the church. And the sea is the nations. It's the different peoples. Um, the other side, any particular territory, whenever it mentions land or country, you know, it obviously it's, it's, it's a corner of the world where a particular people with a particular custom and, and culture exists. That's how they usually... Uh, it usually is described how, how many of the church fathers understand it. Leaving the crowd, they are leaving that particular group of people, you know, uh, that they were, that 
Jesus was preaching to, ministering to. And they took Jesus with them in the boat just as he was. There was nothing unusual about him. It was Jesus. They, they saw him. They remember him as he was. They didn't see anything unusual. Why would they say that? Why would Mark write that down? Obviously, Mark's gospel is based on Peter's preaching. What Peter's thinking about that the one time that Jesus looked completely different was the transfiguration on the mountain. They saw Jesus. They, they went up the mountain with Jesus as he was. But when they were up there and they were praying, suddenly something changed. His clothes became dazzling white. His face was bright as the sun. And he looked different. That was an apocalyptic scene. It was an unveiling, an epiphany, the transfiguration, the glory that Christ revealed within his humanity. There was nothing unusual about him when they went up. When they got down the mountain, he looked just as they went up the mountain. But when they were up there, something happened. So that's, that's what, this is a, a recalling to that event. But they're saying here, Nothing was unusual about him when he got into a boat, as, as he was. And other boats were with him. Other boats were there. So the other boats is the church. But, you know, you know that's, that's in union with the one where Peter and Jesus was in. So a violent wind came up. And as usual, a wind... The waters uh, splashing against the boat is a symbol of the world attacking the church. The boat is the church. And the other boats represents the church in different parts of the, of, of the seas of people. And remember, like when Jesus appeared, uh, even in, in Luke's, um, sorry, in Daniel's book, the prophet Daniel, he says when he sees the one like the son of man, with the golden sash around him, he sees, he hears him speak. He speaks with the voice of many waters, meaning with the voice of many, many people, many different languages. Um, so in the book of Revelation, John sees the apocalyptic Christ, the future, uh, the Christ. He speaks with the voice of many waters, meaning many different nations. So, you know, when they got into the boat, and then the sea's attacking, the sea is the world. The world is attacking the church. Now, they say to him, the, the boat's getting filled up with water. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up, rebuked the wind and, and said to the sea, quiet, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? They were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this whom even the wind and sea obey? He has power over the nations. The winds and sea is one, it's one matter, but he, all authority, remember, all authority of heaven and earth had been handed over to him. He's in charge of all the nations. He's in charge of everything. He know, He's well aware, even though, you know, how people say, Is God asleep? Did God fall asleep? What happened? Why wasn't God there? No, he was there. If anything happens, even to the members of his church, 
it is because of his permitted will. He permitted it to happen. God does not uh, surrender to evil. If if he wants, if, if, his, if it is be his will that we die, then let it be his will that we die during a persecution. We have to accept his will. There is no injustice here. God did not forget. God did not fall asleep. God is awake and he knows perfectly well what's going to happen to us. We have to accept it. We have to, you know, we have to accept it and we have to embrace the will. Remember, the father did not save his son, nor did he save John the Baptist. Not because he felt that John the Baptist deserved it. It was because the time come for John the Baptist to end his preaching. And the time came for our Lord finally to become the sacrificial lamb that we all need. He is our Paschal lamb. He is our Passover lamb. He knows perfectly well what's going to happen to us. We have to simply accept it and believe. It's hard. He was asleep on the cushion. Fine, he was asleep in his humanity. In his humanity, he can get tired. We see that in the Gospel of John when he sat by the well, when the um, Samaritan woman came, he was tired. In his humanity, he could get tired. But it doesn't mean that he's no longer God. This is something we have to really start, you know, Comprehending here, nothing bad happens without his knowledge. Nothing bad happens without his knowledge. He knows who we are. He knows what's going to happen to us. Okay? Just like he knew what was going to happen to all the saints of the past. He knows it. All right, let's end this episode here. And um, let's say an Our Father, a Hail Mary, and St. Michael, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now at the hour of our death, amen. Saint Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who, who walk around prowling the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please remember to subscribe and share. And uh, I'll meet you again soon for a recap of episode 38. Okay? Or was it 39? <laughs> anyway, I'll find out. But, you know, because it didn't, uh, it didn't get uh, posted on all the others. So, God bless.